This is a podcast from thebuglepodcast.com. The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 184 of The Bugle, audio newspaper for this most unremittingly visual of worlds with me, Andy Zaltzman, live in... Hang on, I'll just go and check. Excuse me, mate, uh, what city is this? F*** off! Thanks. In London. <laughs> and joining me, it's the man who puts the ha into Manhattan, the ooh into New York, and the ka into America. It's the harbinger of everlasting doom himself, John Oliver. Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. Andy, uh, I was doing stand-up in Charlotte, North Carolina last weekend, and uh, rather than stay in a hotel, I stayed with my 94-year-old great-grandmother-in-law in in her (laughs) retirement community. Now, I thought it might be a nice change of speed on the road, and, you know, a good way to spend a bit of extra time with her. What I hadn't thought about at all, Andy, was how difficult it was going to be to get back into the old people's home at one in the morning after my late show. Not many people want to go into a retirement community at one in the morning, Andy. But I definitely did think about that problem when I got to the security gate at that time and no one was there. I thought about it a lot then because I realised I had to climb over the fence with a bag over my shoulder, knowing that security was probably doing the rounds and might understandably run with a shoot first, ask questions later strategy if they saw me. I basically had to break into an old people's home at one in the morning, Andy. And as I was balanced with a leg either side of the security defence about to drop onto the other side is one of those moments where you like to stop for a second and ask yourself the question what am I doing with my life? (laughs) What is wrong with me? Why have I put myself in the position where I have to break into an old people's home? This is not the behaviour of an adult human being and also this is no way to die. (laughs) Basic cable comedian shot dead last night after attempting to gain entry to a 94 year old woman's apartment at (laughs) one in the morning. That's an exit from the world that negates anything you've done in your lifetime running up to that point, Andy. Be the new fatty Arbuckle, but more so. (laughs) Well, of course, the way to do that, John, if you ever find yourself in that situation again, is just make sure you have a Grim Reaper costume with you, because then they'll just (laughs) wave you in. (laughs) Oh, you're late. (laughs) Room 23 today, please. This is uh, Bugle 184. 184, of course, the average number of corgi dogs interrogated by MI6 before they finally find one with strong enough royalist tendencies to be the Queen's new dog. The rest either become stunt dogs for the innumerable Hollywood films about the royal family or are used as baits in the Royal New Year crocodile hunt at Sandringham or are sold to Napoleonic war enthusiast Miley Cyrus to play the part of the Prussian army in her phenomenally bloodthirsty canine recreation of the Battle of Waterloo. And this is for the week beginning Monday, the 27th of February, uh, 2012. Meaning that's for the first time in four years this week, John, there's going to be a February the 29th. And uh, do you know that uh, people born on the 29th of February in Britain are not legally allowed to have sex until they're 64? And um, Jar Rule is one of the celebrities who was born on the 29th of February uh, in 1976, in fact, as I'm sure you know from the tattoo on your own back, making him uh, nine years old on Wednesday. So, uh, happy birthday, Jar. Why aren't you at school? And uh, this week's section in the bin, part two of our Safety in the Kitchen Do's and Don'ts audio guide. This week, another kitchen don't. Oh, let's see if the roast is ready. Oh, balls. I forgot to switch the oven on. 
Come on, kids, lunchtime. That was another kitchen don't. <laughs> Andy, you're becoming a comedic Phil Spector with <laughs> just a wall of sonic bullshit in terms of sound effects. Yep. Yes, well, let's hope that ends up better than the Phil Spector story. <laughs> If it were to be truly accurate, I'm Phil Spector here and Andy is the Ronettes. <laughs> oh, boy. So that doesn't work out well either for you. <laughs> Top story this week, dudes news. And uh, last week, Andy, was a lady special, which will have been impossible for any male buglers to enjoy, as lady news to men is completely confusing. <laughs> we have no way to relate to everyday female experiences, so in the interest of balance, we're going to start this week with a number of stories for the 49% of the population who somehow managed to inexplicably earn on average 20% more than their lady counterparts for doing the same jobs. Having said that... All buglers, regardless of gender, have free tickets to the Sausage Fest. <laughs> I declare this wang tank open! <laughs> Men's health news! And men are not going extinct. Yes! <laughs> awesome! It's we did it, Andy! Awesome news. We did it. We looked into the abyss and we survived because it turned out it wasn't actually an abyss after all. It was just a very realistic painting of an abyss with an ice cream store behind it. <laughs> there, there had previously been some research from Professor Jennifer Graves of Australian National University. A woman. The, let's let's yes, make that very clear. A lady scientist. <laughs> that the Y-sex chromosome, which only men carry, was decaying genetically so fast that it would be extinct in just five million years. Which really made you think at the time, what's the point in going on? Oh, no. We should either just give up or get breast implants, put on a Victorian lady's bonnet and live out the rest of our lives as our female alter ego, Betsy LaRue. <laughs> <laughs> now, Professor Jennifer Graves was actually not alone in this theory because genetics professor called Brian Sykes in his book Adam's Curse, A Future Without Men, also predicted the end of the Y chromosome but thought it might take as little as 100,000 years. Well, f you, Jennifer, and you should be ashamed of yourself, Brian, because men aren't going anywhere. And you are a disgrace to your own balls, Brian Sykes. <laughs> you are not worthy of the wang, because you should have known deep down in your plums that genetics are not going to destroy mankind. It will be some ludicrous mistake of our own doing. <laughs> well, personally, I'm a bit disappointed that it's turned out that we're not going extinct, because I, I can only really work to deadlines. And mm -hmm. knowing that our uh, once great gender only had another five million years, what a really focused on mine and what we really want to achieve as a gender, John. <laughs> and I just feel now we're just going to drift, just carry on drifting. I mean, what have we really done since Caligula? Well, that's a fair question. Yeah. Now, the good news is that new studies show that genetic decay in recent history has been minimal, with the human chromosome having lost no further genes in the last 6 million years and only one gene in the last 25 million years. And to quote a Professor Mark Pagel from Reading University, there's a future for males in the very long term, going on to say that the new reports are a very nice piece of work, showing that gene loss in the male-specific region of the Y chromosome proceeds rapidly at first, exponentially in fact, but then reaches a point at which purifying selection brings this process to a halt. He then grabbed his balls, Andy, and said, I've got your research findings right here, buddy! Oh! <laughs> 
So nice try, ladies. <laughs> Thinking that all you were going to have to do was run out the clock and wait for just five million years for us to evolve into women as well. Well, too bad, because in five million years, I'm going to be standing on a mountaintop in triumph, oiled up and flexing my pecs. <laughs> Again. Again. You've got to start doing different photo shoots, John. You just can't nope. have the same shot every year for five million years. Andy, if it is broke, refuse to fix it. That's my <laughs> motto. <laughs> Penis news now. And uh, off the back of the... Uh, there's, yeah. there's, there's no easy way of saying no. that, is there? In the words of Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> <laughs> Off the back of the ridiculous contraception discussion still taking place in America, some members of the Georgia House of Representatives have come up with an interesting way of combating them, uh, introducing their own reproductive rights plan, no more vasectomies that leave, I quote, thousands of children deprived of birth. Uh, Representative Yasmin Neal's bill, HB 1116, would prevent men from getting vasectomies unless needed to avert serious injury or death. <laughs> Well played, ladies. It seems like you have learned the ways of the douche from watching us at work. The student has become the master. That's, I mean, what, I mean, I don't know how many scenarios that would apply in, you know, if you, when you need yeah. a vasectomy to avert serious injury. I mean, it's quite, that's yeah. quite a narrow field, isn't it? Well, they're just wanting to make sure that that's covered, though. But that's I, just good bill writing. It's just... But it's really great to see uh, politicians such as uh, Yasmin Neal responding to idiotic politics with joke politics. That is that's yes. what America clearly needs. Lowering the bar further and <laughs> further. And in fact, the bill, the joke bill, is beautifully written. It says, It is patently unfair that men avoid the rewards of unwanted fatherhood by presuming that their judgment over such matters is more valid than the judgment of the General Assembly. It is the purpose of the General Assembly to assert an invasive state interest in the reproductive habits of men in this state and substitute the will of the government over the will of adult men. Holy shit, Andy. <laughs> that is some black belt level legislative douchebaggery. But, but they should have taken it one step further and forced all the old men who've already had vasectomies done to have them painfully reversed instead. <laughs> and then compulsorily might... inseminate women. Yes, that's exactly. I think that might turn a decisive number of votes towards a more realistic attitude towards a woman's right to choose. <laughs> I think uh, Yasmin Neal is possibly in line for the Bugle Big Brass Ovaries Award. Um, <laughs> and at some point, John, I think the pro-life lobby in America is going to have to address the issue. Should sperms have the vote? And right. if so, should it be one sperm, one vote, or one ejaculate, one vote? That's <laughs> that's the. I mean, that's a very difficult one for the. I don't know if is that covered in the U.S. Constitution or not. Well, I don't know. I mean, they were way ahead of their time, but yeah. not quite that far. Because right. I guess time is going to come, John, when scientists can analyse every sperm in the world and every egg in the world and work out mm. how they would vote if they fertilised each other and. Um, they have done some preliminary research on this. It turns out that sperms are actually very left-wing, but eggs mm -hmm. are quite right-wing, which is why Republicans oh. are so scared of gay marriage, <laughs> but absolutely love lesbians, I think. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a scientist. But the fact that sperms are left-wing, John, they're, they're almost Stalinist, in fact, in that only one of them gets to achieve anything, and millions of them die for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> take that, Stalin. <laughs> yeah, take that. Take that. Yeah, Yasmin Neal said 
If we legislate women's bodies, it's only fair that we legislate men's. Uh, she said she wanted to write a bill that would generate emotion and conversation the way that anti-abortion do- bills do. Going on to say, there are too many problems in this state. Why are you under the skirts of women? I'm sure there are other places to be. Oh, Yasmin, that is where your otherwise flawless argument falls apart. For there is no other place to be than under women's skirts. One can build a fort under there, take a picnic and read a book. There's no place a man feels safer or more at home than hiding underneath a woman's skirt. I believe that Winston Churchill delivered most of his key World War II addresses from underneath some specially selected lady skirts. He said it helped him concentrate and made the acoustics much better. We will fight them on the beaches. We will fight them in the air. Keep still, Brenda. Stop shuffling around. I'm trying to read. We will never surrender. Brenda, you could have given me a courtesy heads up there. Yeah. Uh, qualified yeah. satirists. Qualified. Qualified. <laughs> qualified. In fact, Georgia's not the only state fighting back against men's reactionary involvement in women's health issues. Because earlier this month in Oklahoma, Senator Constance Johnson uh, proposed a provision to an anti-abortion bill that read, any action in which a man ejaculates or otherwise deposits semen anywhere but in a woman's vagina shall be interpreted and constructed as an action against an unborn child. She basically attempted to ban masturbation, Andy. <laughs> the only problem would have been if they called her bluff. This had actually passed this bill and America essentially criminalised being a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> 13-year-old Billy, you're accused of ejaculating or depositing semen somewhere other than a woman's <laughs> vagina. How do you plead? Oh, oh, God, Billy, what are you doing? Not here. <laughs> Officer, take him to jail. I'm going to take that as a physical guilty plea. <laughs> I'm sorry, Your Honour. It's just you said vagina. It's <laughs> <laughs> gone quite blue this week, hasn't it? I, well, it's about to go one step bluer <laughs> because finally... In Virginia, in January, the state senate there debated a bill that required women to have an ultrasound before an abortion. So, Democrat Janet Howell attached an amendment to the bill that required men to have rectal exams and cardiac stress tests before they could receive Viagra. Again, Andy, that is legislative kung fu. But forced rectal exams? Okay, that's enough, ladies. You have made your point. But I've lived my life under the very strict rule that a conversation that features the phrase forced rectal exams is a conversation that has got way out of control. (laughs) Oh, that was not a good name to choose for your first band, was it, John? <laughs> In other Wang news now, and a British man has been fined £150 for wandering around with his plums and plonker out. Um, <laughs> Nigel Keir, a 41-year-old naked hiker, uh, was uh, caught... Well, not caught. He was seen in flag. Well, not in flag. He was he was just walking naked through the countryside, and he was given a hundred and fifty pound fine for quote causing alarm or distress by just wandering around with his frumper and the Murgatroyds wobbling about all over the place. And it doesn't make me think, John. He quoted the, the, the policeman uh, who uh, caught him was quoted as saying he was wearing nothing, and this was in the, the uh, on the Daily Mail's website. 
and right. possibly in their newspaper as well. I don't know. I don't buy the newspaper. He was wearing nothing but a pair of walking boots and a backpack, and I could clearly see his P asterisk 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 S and <laughs> and genitals. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, so, yeah. what an overabundance of genitals yeah. that man had. <laughs> I don't know, was that piles? I don't know, I can see there might be a problem in that. Pearls. Pearls. Maybe. Oh, right, OK. Um, but anyway, uh, that kind of shows the extent of the pruder involved. But also, it makes you think, John, I mean, this seems a bit unfair for just walking around as, as God intended, you know, as, mm-hmm. as we all enter the world, knackers out. You know, can, in fact, the almighty Lord actually be sued for making a gentleman's dangler so heinously offensive? to the legal well, system. Well, that's see, that's a good question, because in court, the man was fined £150 and ordered to pay another £150 in costs after he was found guilty of causing alarm or distress. And what I love about this story is it's amazing to be able to put an exact monetary amount on the distress <laughs> that someone seeing your penis can cause. And I think they may have actually set a dangerous precedent now, but there's a... An idiotic primal male instinct to compare penises and infer all kinds of different things from the results. And this may be a new one. The financial cost of distress in someone being exposed to your penis. I think people may now be flying from all over the world to hike naked, get arrested, and have a British magistrate rule on how much alarm their penis causes. <laughs> I order you to pay a fine of £170. Yes! I knew it! I knew I had a distressing penis! And you, I order you to pay a fine... Of thirty pounds. What? Why? Oh God! What's wrong with me? Oh no! This is a nightmare. It was very cold outside that day, Your Honour. I demand a retrial. Well, it's a serious design flaw, John, aesthetically and practically, both the flight mm-hmm. and the triangle horn. And personally, I think it's uh, time that God was brought to book on this. He really let himself down in a number of ways. In uh, November, Switzerland's highest court ruled that a ban on naked hiking um, in uh, a district of Switzerland was legal. So it turns out that Switzerland thinks that going for a wander through the mountains with your scranklers out is worse than Nazi Germany. They <laughs> they weren't too sure about Hitler, but to give him credit, at least he kept his underpants on. That is true. So, Bugles, we have an historic moment now if we can just interrupt uh, Bugle 184. Mm. Uh, celebrity guest on the Bugle just coming to the studio here bigger. in London. <laughs> don't they don't get bigger, bigger or narrower. <laughs> I would not either say I'm narrow or celebrity, but hello. Yes, <laughs> I'm back. It's Tom. It's Tom! Hey. The former producer and traitor to his country. <laughs> yes. Traitor the, uh, to his hemisphere. Jo- Andy, can I just stop you there? The, the main reason why I moved away was to see my country in its true form. Uh, John mm-hmm. knows that. You move thousands yep. of miles away and suddenly you're an expert on everything. What do yeah. you reckon? You look back down on Earth for the first time, um, like your Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> well, actually, it's like being a time traveller. It's like coming back to the 19th century but anyway yeah hello <laughs> it's of course uh, new buglers uh might be chosen tom was the uh was our old producer it was tom he's the franchise holder of the <laughs> yeah. you chris tag no 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 john sorry let me stop you there when i was in charge of the bugle we were paid by a large media organization and rupert murdoch was the most <laughs> trusted individual in the media yes i come back true. chris and look what's that happened that is true. Most trusted man in the news, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, that is maybe a bit you of a stretch. You might tweak a hamstring on that, that one, is, Tom. That, I mean, you still. wouldn't even put a Chinese child gymnast through that kind Just of stretch. Just let me point out, <laughs> I, I live in Australia, a place where Rupert Murdoch controls even more than the UK. So <laughs> that's I think all he's I've married heard. to the Queen over there, don't they? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yes. 
Well, he's now American, so they don't actually like him that much. Right. But mm-hmm. are you implying that we had something to do with this, well, or that, I'll, that I'll the say fact th- that we're now not there anymore? I'll, is s- it? I'll say something. Um, I did get lost around here trying to find a dingy dungeon-like studio. I looked mm-hmm. at this place and I thought it's a furniture store. This is the wrong address. <laughs> Andy's giving me the wrong. F- address now what I did was it's clean it's modern and it had nice chairs in the window how was I to know we were recording the bugle in there that's right we've moved up in the world really have no we've forcibly moved out from where we were before (laughs) a story appeared in the New York Times and I was amazed Mm -hmm. I was like good on Chris so no I'm not saying a few Chris yeah yeah a little bit of rapprochement wow but I need to say it to someone so f*** you John f*** you (laughs) oh oh that felt good it's like uh Oh, it's, it's like a, tri- a sonic trip home. Oh, yes. <laughs> I just need to give you some abuse about Liverpool, and I'm pretty glad I didn't bring my family to this. Anyway. <laughs> he comes back, he swears three times, that's three additional bleeps. <laughs> I may have had a few beers before got in. So. Really? Yes. Well, that's a risky Scotsman and beer. That's, <laughs> well, as we're about to find out, that does not always end well. <laughs> Well, if we can resume our bugle men's uh, men's feature now, uh, naughty male politicians, and where else to begin but with the former IMF head, Dominique Strauss-Kahn, who yes. has found himself in various portions of trouble uh, over recent mm-hmm. months. He's been. He's, deta- a, he's a fr- he's a French rogue, Andy, or a French <laughs> rapist, depending on your view of his previous court case, <laughs> of which the court the court itself seems to come down on the rogue side. <laughs> For the sake of the programme, we're going to say overwhelmingly rogue. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Strauss-Kahn's latest brush with uh, the law is uh, being detained for questioning by French police investigating a prostitution ring. And he insisted he did not know that the women involved were prostitutes. And his lawyer (laughs) came up with arguably Uh the greatest sentence of the millennium so far. He said, I challenge you to distinguish a naked prostitute from any other naked woman. (laughs) (laughs) How okay. is Strauss can't to know, John? Where was the barcode? Do you expect? <laughs> the point is, Andy, Dominic Strauss Kahn really does seem to be a class act. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he was head of the IMF and a front runner to be the next president of France, Andy. Class, class in a champagne glass. Now, I, d- I do think, though, like you say, this is a great. Uh, it's a phenomenal defence that uh, Dominic Strauss-Kahn could not be expected to tell a naked prostitute from another woman. But it's a challenge that I think is worth accepting because here would be the first telling difference for uh, Dominic Strauss-Kahn when he's confronted with a naked woman and is wondering whether she's a prostitute or not. Do they have a receipt for you in their hands, DSK? <laughs> is their nakedness brought on by part of a broader agreed-upon transaction? Do you know the name of the naked woman in front of you? And if she's told you that her name is Tinkerbell or Flashdance, the answer to that previous question is no. Does she have heroin needle track lines up her arm? A, combi- a combination of any one of these things may be a good clue. But I guess the biggest reason I doubt Dominic Strauss-Kahn's defence of not knowing is this question. Is a naked woman standing in front of you, DSK? Then she's definitely a prostitute. (laughs) What woman would voluntarily do that for no financial reward? No woman alive, that's who. No woman alive would disrobe in front of that bloated French weasel unless there was some serious cash at the end of that dehumanising rainbow. (laughs) He has uh, found himself in various bits of trouble of late due to him suffering a debilitating medical condition, uh, condition that sexo clinicians describe as uh, PECS, 
penile explorative curiosity syndrome. <laughs> and Stratoscon just cannot seem to stop dousling his drongle rods whenever, wherever, and with whomever possible. And his political career has now been seriously undermined by his uncontrollable wangdalust. <laughs> and... But he's admitted taking part in these orgies and said he had a, quote, uninhibited sex life, but that he'd never paid a centime for it, and that he has a horror of prostitutes and pimping. Oh. Not, not quite enough of a horror to check whether or not prostitutes and pimps were involved, but a horror nonetheless. Let's give him, let's cut him some slack, John. He spent the nights in the cells in a police station in Lille in northern France, furnished only with a thin mattress and, quote, a hole-in-the-floor toilet, which... Has to go down as something of a risk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you, I mean, statistically, probably. Look, I mean, it just, it just, it doesn't matter. He's a serious politician, and he should be judged on his achievements as such, not not on the fact that he takes his overactive plonker as a guest of honour to sex parties the world over. Anyway, the most disappointing thing, John. What am I supposed to tell my kids? Um, mm. There have always been three things I've taught them to look up to in the world. One, the IMF. Two, the Italian mm. government. And three, yes. Rick Santorum's every word. <laughs> <laughs> Are there no heroes anymore? Meet question mark news now. And Dutch scientists have used stem cells to create strips of muscle tissue with the aim of producing the first ever lab-grown hamburger. Well... It definitely sounds delicious, Andy. Will there be some lab-grown ketchup to spread all over it? At, at a major science meeting in Canada, Professor Mark Post said synthetic meat could reduce the environmental footprint of meat by up to 60%. It's true, Andy. And it could also re reduce the deliciousness of meat by around 100% as well. John, I mean, if this is removing the need to slaughter animals for meat, would the food taste as good... Without that feeling of evolutionary superiority you get. <laughs> I know when I'm tucking into a Frankfurter, what I think to myself yeah. is, yes, Mr Piggy, I imagine you are now slightly regretting not having developed the mechanisms for industrialised slaughter. <laughs> One nil humans. <laughs> the, the Dutch lab has grown small pieces of muscle about two centimetres long, one centimetre wide and about a millimetre thick. They're off-white and resemble strips of calamari. These strips will be mixed with blood and artificially grown fat to produce a hamburger by the autumn. Mmm, 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 Andy. Is that, the news of, is that the noise of my stomach rumbling? Or am I about to throw up at the thought of that sentence? Either way, I'll take a lab burger to go, please, with some science cheese. And I'll take it medium rare. And what's the free toy that comes with it? Is it a spin-off toy from the movie The Help? Now, apparently, the cost of producing the hamburger will be £200,000. Well, now I want one, Andy. Because <laughs> now, now I feel like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. I just have to know what a £200,000 hamburger tastes like. <laughs> I'm guessing that the chef's main description would be scientifically edible or fit for human consumption. <laughs> but any billionaire thinking of buying one to have the experience might like to pair it with a long, cold glass of what the f*** is wrong with you? You have too much money, <laughs> you f***ing idiots. And there's actually also a side debate now around whether or not vegetarians could eat a lab burger. According to the Vegetarian Society, a vegetarian cannot eat any meat, poultry, game, fish, shellfish or crustacea or the byproducts of slaughter. But it doesn't say anything in there about some weird f 
fucked up science meat made with artificial muscle and blood, Andy. So I think they're good to go. Bon appetit, vegetarians. Welcome to the meat factory. Just get one of the Oompa Loompas to wonker you up a burger. Bugle feature section now, and it's Lent. Uh, Pancake Day has been and gone, John, as uh, I'm sure you know, being a religious pancake eater yourself. Mm -hmm. And we are now in the countdown to the prominent Christian festival, Easter. Uh, Lent uh, is called Lent because uh, St. Peter had lent Jesus a hundred bucks, or shekels as they were known then. (laughs) And Jesus had promptly FRO'd to the wilderness. That was a celebrity retreat in the Holy (laughs) Landia, similar to the modern day, the Priory. When Jesus re- uh, returned, it turned out he'd blown most of the money on a flash new five-speed donkey, which he then cruised into Jerusalem on, looking cool. Peter was a bit miffed and did his best not to let it affect his behaviour, which he mostly managed to rise above it, mostly, but n- not not totally. And as we know, the famously ripped Jesus was soon to inadvertently coin the term pin-up boy, and the rest is hotly disputed <laughs> history. Anyway, as the result of Peter having to give up golf, having lent Jesus the money uh, that he put aside for his green fees and hiring a golf donkey to whiz him round on the course, people now give up stuff for Lent as a mark of respect, and amongst the celebrity self-sacrifices this year are actress Alyssa Milano. She's given up feigning knee injuries when losing at Scrabble, admitting I have to learn to embrace defeats as a learning experience. UK political groover George Osborne has given up belching the national anthem before cabinet meetings. Said a tearful Osborne yesterday, I think it sets a nice patriotic tone, but David thinks it undercuts his own underarm squelchy version. Madonna, the pentagenarian pop pranstress, has given up her egg trick. Don't ask. Okay, do ask. She can roll the whole way across her kitchen using two duck eggs as wheels without them breaking. (laughs) And Canadian ice skating champion Amelie Lacoste has given up pagan sacrifices. The skatestress, who placed 16th in last year's World Championships, said in a tearful statement on Pancake Day, the sacrifices just aren't working, no matter how how splendid and purebred a bull I kill, no matter how loudly I scream invocations to the judges whilst doing so, it hasn't had any discernible effect on my performance. I think the judges, if anything, mark me down for leaving a pool of bull's blood on the ice and scaring the audience, even if I smile really nicely at them whilst the animal breathes its last, and then skate past them with my bottom in the air. I only finished 7th at the recent Four Continents Championships, and I took down a rare breed short horn and they don't come cheap look maybe Zeus isn't big on ice skating so at March's world championships I'm just going to smear my face in snake blood and take my chances personally John I've given up puns for Lent <laughs> oh, I've, oh. I'm, uh, I'm not going to deny it he's terribly difficult <laughs> no, hey, no, hey. no no as, no as a to this country hey. can I please stop hey. you there Andy don't get yes. please hey, yes, hey don't get cross look oh <laughs> I'm only doing it to wind you up. Chris, can you can you get that gun out? Sounds, can you shoot me now? It sounds, shoot me well, now. I'm just doing it to wind you up. It sounds like I've got to rise again. <clears throat> All done. Just a short one this week. Oh God! That's my head on the on the desk. Stop it! I was so busy like freaking out that I actually didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, congratulations, Chris! That you've, you've, got, you've evolved an excellent skill there. You've got to that zen level of yeah. you've blocked out their long-windedness. This is just yeah. a job now. That was nice. They were nice and short, those ones. Yes, bang, know, bang, bang. Generally, the whole yeah. you know, thing. I nailed it. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Your emails now, and, well, there's a great email here, Andy, under the... Uh, 
Email subject line, this is your wife, Andy. Oh. And uh, it starts, dear Andy, Chris and John, in order of which I'm most married to. <laughs> Listen, Andy, I have something terrible to tell you. No one actually listens to the bugle. All the emails have been me. Really? I've been sending emails through fake personas I've created to raise your self-esteem. When you first started the bugle, it was innocent enough. An email here or there from a fan, pretty easy to do. And you were ever so much happier for it. But somehow it all got out of control. Your expectations began to rise and soon I was working my fingers to the bone, creating fake email accounts, Twitter accounts, browsing Amazon for badonkadonks. <laughs> it was all too much. I even forced our children into the racket and now with the donation system, sweetie poo, we just can't afford it. <laughs> so anyway, I figured this was the best way to let you and your cohorts know that all of your work was for nothing and that no one likes you. Yours in Christ, Lady Wifington. <laughs> P.S. This was very hard for me to write, so if you ask me about it at home, I'll feign innocence. It's for the best. Comes. What a bombshell. That is some email. I didn't even even know she could speak English. (laughs) (laughs) Who saw... I had my suspicions when we started, because some of the email accounts were suspiciously (laughs) Andy-like. When we first started and no one knew what we were doing. I got Who these emails the- from Jigmy Wanchuk. Like, <laughs> That's true. This is clearly from Andy. So and I asked him about it, and he looked at me like totally blankly. Going, oh, it's clearly the wife. Yeah, it's clearly the wife. Who saw this twist in the bugle coming? Yeah. <laughs> what a twist! I mean, it's all a figment of Andy's imagination. Everything. <laughs> Whose voices are you hearing right now, Andy? I don't know. It's mostly sure, Tom most, and Chris are there. Yeah. Sure. It's mostly Richie Benno. <laughs> <laughs> It's one for our American listeners. So do keep your emails coming into uh, info at thebuglepodcast.com. And we'll do more next week because we've been a bit short on them recently, but we keep overrunning. So we're about to get chucked out of the studio. So um, do keep them coming in and follow the Twitter feed at Hello Buglers. And don't forget the Bugle SoundCloud page where you can listen to and comment on the uh, episodes, uh, which is soundcloud.com slash the hyphen bugle. So you, you can, it's quite good, you can actually leave comments at the place in the podcast that you're commenting about. Uh-oh. Awesome what technology can do. <laughs> oh Absolutely my, is that really awesome. true? Yeah. yeah. So you can basically graffiti the bugle yeah. as wow. you would a book that you're not enjoying. Oh, sh- I think I'm actually... <laughs> I think I think I'm just going to go straight there now, Andy. I've got something to say about your last few pun runs. Potentially, I could put f- you, Chris, on every second of the. Exam. Yes, yes, yes. That is true. And you wouldn't be it's- the first to try. <laughs> yeah, and the internet continues yeah. to become mankind's toilet wall. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, just one of the comments, David Copperfield. Outstanding. Oh no! Outstanding. Someone thought that was outstanding, John. Uh, that's it for this week's Bugle Uh, do enjoy uh, February the 29th for any February the 29th fans and 40 years ago uh, on Wednesday Hank Aaron became the first baseball player to sign a $200,000 contract which is approximately what we'd pay nowadays for a reserve third baseman to take a piss in a bucket so (laughs) how times change thanks for listening Buglers we'll be back next week goodbye Bye! And goodbye from Tom. It's been great to have you back. Goodbye. Go- yeah, great sorry to have I'm you late. Back, Tom. Yeah, that's all right. See you in a couple of years. Yeah, well, yeah. back in a couple of years. <laughs> with more mystified buglers going, who's this? Yeah, who is this guy? Australian loser. Check, check the archives. <laughs> <laughs> this used to be a major bugle character. Ma- well, major. Yeah. I was just grumpy because you kept on going on so long, I thought I'd have to butt in. Yeah. And, it's and now you're weird. 
And now you're becoming part of that. Overload. I know. This is like John the you Baptist. See how fun uh, it is. It's like John the Baptist turning up in the Book of Revelations. This, isn't it? <laughs> well, you see, I need to get an ice. Can you all mind. shut up? <laughs> of course. There you go. That's all, buglers. That's all. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.